appreciating who's doing that work for you. And I'm not asking for me. I'm asking for my staff. It's like when you see them and realize that they've put in a long day, saying hi, saying thank you, smiling at them, telling them how much you appreciated something, I think goes a long way into adding a value-added experience to their workday, right? 90% of our students might come up and go, oh, burger's great, and they get three, but they don't look at the sign. So yeah. where's the teachable moment there? How do we know that we spent more money on it, that it was local, that it might taste better, that it might be better for you? And yet, if I haven't done that, I've done nothing but waste the resources because it could have been a burger from anywhere. How do you act when no one is watching, right? Those small little things that they do might be something that's seen by somebody else and then they start to do it and that ripple effect can in, in some way start to change the tide. Too often we're buried on our phones, we're tied up with uh, what's the next email or what's the next assignment for class yeah. or, or, or what's the latest game I want to learn how to play and instead open our eyes and be in the moment and appreciate what we have. Hello and welcome back to the Bigger Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Chan Jiao, and today I'm blessed to be joined with Director of Dining Services, Rich Messer, here with me today. And Rich, so you run probably one of the best dining halls in New England. Why are why do you choose to run a dining hall? How did you end up as a as this position? Well, thank you for inviting me. Glad to be here. Um, wow, great great uh, intro. Um, you know, I chose food service, and I think the word service is the key. I honestly just enjoy serving people. Um, mm -hmm. I, I get a lot of pleasure out of that. I think it's fun to see people come together around food. Um, obviously, I think it's something that I found early on I could be good at. Um, as I've mentioned to you before, I'm really competitive. Mm -hmm. So in my, um, in my mind, coming to a place like NMH gave me the opportunity to make it the best dining program in any of the uh, New England boarding schools. And so that's my goal. It's mm -hmm. uh, sort of what has driven me mm -hmm. in my career and um, has, has given us the opportunity to make that it, uh, happen for NMH. So speaking of coming into the service, food service industry, what did you do before um, the directing a dining hall? Well, you know, uh, I'm not that old, but I spent my first few years out of college mm -hmm. uh, running a restaurant in Boston. Okay. Uh, Moved into the catering world um, in a in a college in the in Western Mass, um, and then this this job came up here. Um, mm -hmm. So, but it's this is my thirty fifth year at NMH. Thirty fifth, wow that that is a very long time. And what would you really say makes the NMH experience unique than all the other experiences? Um, I think well, first of all, I'm blessed that NMH has given me the opportunity to to uh, create a dining program that I wanted to create. And there's a lot of support for that. Um, so I'm appreciative of that. Mm. Um, my two key words are innovative and responsive. Mm. Um, I want to spend my time being innovative about what the great college dining programs do, what are the great uh, food trends across the country, across the world, and how can I do that um, in an authentic way as well? Our kids come from all over the world, so mm -hmm. if we're going to serve something, I want to make sure that they think of it as an authentic and uh, uh, special opportunity. Um, and then being responsive, you know, that's easy. You know, our, our kids will tell us what they would like to eat. Our faculty will tell me what they would like to see improved in Alumni Hall. So. Mm -hmm. 
being responsive to the needs of the school. Hey, tonight they want an all school cookout. We're going to do that. So okay. uh, innovative and responsive in my mind is a start to making a great dining program. Right. And speaking of both, I, I think you do a great job for responsive thing. Yeah. You're always out there sort of asking around how, how do you like the food? How do you like the dining hall today? And with innovative, there are so many different varieties of, of food that's available. So speaking of innovative, how is our program able to be so innovative and create so many different types of food? That's something that I've always uh, wondered because um, we would have, you know, some, some days we have you know, like tacos or, or um, today's Taco Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. And then on other days we might have an Asian dish and then there's stir fry and then there's all over the place. So how, how do we get this mixture and, and how do we make sure that all the chef knows everything is possible? Yeah, I think that's the um, that's the challenge, and that's mm-hmm. um, taking a look at what we have for variety. Uh, you know, you have to keep in mind we do have a budget, so we've got to stay within a budget. And so, when you look at some of the things that we pair, we know that if there's pizza on, we can be a little bit more exploratory and do something a little bit um, maybe uh, more expensive because most of the kids are going to take pizza and be pretty happy with that. Um, You won't see salmon served alongside of something that's not a really good dish because it would Mm. just cost us so much. Right. Yeah. Um, But you, you find that balance and then you find that uh, balance within the staff of alumni home. So for example, there are more staff working at lunch than there are at breakfast and at dinner. There's an overlap of the lunch staff. So we can do more specials during the lunch period. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are days of the week when I have more staff on just because of the overlap of their schedules. So you might see that a Wednesday or a Thursday night might be a good night to do it. Wednesday would be a good night to do the stir fry bar or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so you balance staffing, you balance the, the people that we have on hand and, and how talented that they, they are um, mm-hmm. to find a menu that works. And of course, Take good notes so that we know how much to buy, how much to produce, um, what we're going to serve. Mm-hmm. And there are many great points that you just mentioned right there. So I'm sort of going to go one by one. Just first, speaking of budget, is it like a weekly budget that you would look at or is it like a monthly, yearly thing that you sure. you are the person managing? And second of all, because of there is a budget, are you the only, are you the person that is determining the schedule of food every single day? and you're the person looking at the budget, or is it like there, there's a team working behind it? Oh, it takes a team. Uh, no question, it takes a team. We have a, a person that buys all of our food. Um, mm-hmm. I work with a chef closely to set the menu. Um, we have a psycho menu, which allows us to look at um, the four-week menu as a whole and then how many times it's repeated in a 37-week school year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we can look at the trends. And when trends, I mean... Um, I don't set the price of the food. I just have to manage the budget within those prices that are set. Mm -hmm. So in the last year, particularly since coming out of the COVID um, time, food prices have gone through the roof. It's been a really difficult uh, time to do that. And it wasn't just the cost of food. It was also supply chain issues. Um, And I think we'll talk more about labor challenges, but labor challenges across the Mm -hmm. industry, which was from getting food um, processed through factories and through um, through slaughterhouses and everything, right through to the trucking industry, which has been decimated by a lack of drivers and mm-hmm. transportation people. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been a lot of challenges, not just to buy food, but to get it within budget and then also to get it here and be able to serve it. Yeah, and and speaking of that, I mean, that's still 
that to to think that we're running on such a low budget yet we still can um have that you still uh make sure that is innovative and responsive that is still very creative and what do you say are um you know specific can you give like specific examples of say things that weren't made available this year due to budgets well i think you'll enjoy that you know that you know, certainly I have to follow what's going on in the industry. And I, mm. I've looked back to two, three years ago as Chick-fil-A became such a hot um, menu item or trend. Um, Chick-fil-A came up with this chicken sandwich that everybody's enamored with. And therefore it caused Burger King and McDonald's and whatever else uh, mm-hmm. out there to create the same, how is it Popeye? Mm -hmm. Um, to create that same chicken breast sandwich. And what I think happened was that the food industry reacted so quickly to make sure that we had the perfect size chicken breast for those restaurants that needed it, that it affected the supply chain for the rest of the industry. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden the price of chicken wings, which has forever been $75, $80 a case, has now jumped to $167 a case. No way. All because of what the industry demanded for a product, right? So... Mm -hmm get these birds grown, make them to a certain size, and then slaughter them because we need it all over the country. Yeah. And it creates a ripple effect across the across right. country as well. So mm-hmm. just something that we have to keep an eye on and watch. And I think the other trend has been allergies and allergens. Mm-hmm. Um, we have gluten-free, we have celiac, we have peanut allergies, we have selfless allergies. So things have changed in the food service world, and you've got to stay on top of it. Yeah, and so mentioning, well, the jumping price of chicken wings i feel like we still have a lot of chicken wings and all that but uh what would be the direct impact it, say that say that the supply has been largely cut off would you just largely decrease the amount of times chicken wing is served or also like the you, amount of you can decrease them but you also can look at what you serve it with so uh, you know, sort of making this up. But let's say if I was to put burgers on beside chicken wings, it'd be a real 50-50 battle there that kids might really rather have a burger instead. And so they might, you know, eat less wings and then have a burger. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you look at what you pair it with to see how you can balance that menu. Oh, so I was thinking, would there be like a scale that you keep maybe in your office to say, what is the most popular dish? What is you know, sort of like least popular? And yeah. you sort of like um, add up to a certain point for every day. And then you pair the, you know, if you have a high value food today, you might pick a low, low, low value dish that goes along with it and sort of balance it out. It Absolutely. Would, yeah. You have to do that. And obviously, General Zhao's chicken is the most expensive, I'm sorry, most popular um, dish that we serve. And so you've got that one. Um, mm-hmm. I mentioned salmon. I, I am staggered by how much salmon our students eat. Yeah. Um, you know, love it. Tastes great. Can't get enough of it. So, yeah, we balance that. Um, and mm-hmm. if we if we have a, a, a lot of guests coming, parents weekend. Right, right. Admission guests, whatever it might be. So you have to look at that and how much we can produce and, and, and all that. And of course, other things like it's an all school meeting. So all the students are coming at once. What does that mean? Yeah. And how do we get enough food out fresh, ready F- fast to enough fast, too. Right? And, and that's actually a great point. And I was just about to ask that is, is w- what do you do to, to keep that much supply? And also balancing, not having too much supply, because if you overproduce food, you know, maybe it wouldn't be fresh enough and you might have to waste it. That's not sure. good. Right. But then if you underproduce, you know, kids that come into the dining hall late will not get enough food. So how do you find that right balance? 
Yeah, I think that's part of the act. I mean, that's what we have to really work on, um, mostly by taking really good notes, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, recording how much we bought, how much we produced, if we had leftovers, how much, if we ran out, what time did we run out, and then fine-tune it. Because in our case, with a four-week cycle menu, that's going to come up again, and we need to be ready for it. Mm-hmm. Um, likewise, you know, you, you really need to write down what the menu, what the uh, weather is for the day. If it's a cold, rainy day in the spring, they're going to eat more than if it's a really warm, you know, spring day and it's really? nice outside. Okay. So you've got to look at the weather, you've got to look at the numbers, um, and, then, um, and then, like I said, special events that are coming up. I didn't know that you would look at weather and uh, to determine how much food. The, so what are this, what are all the factors that would be taking into account? Do you have a specific chart in mind that you, you can sort of think about? Like what, what would be the specific measures that you have to measure? Yeah, I think the measure is success, right? So, yeah. you know, if it goes really well, if the response is really high, if I'm getting a lot of compliments about what we did mm-hmm. and how we did it, then I know I've got certain factors in place, like great, great menu, mm-hmm. great, we hit the numbers, we had enough, um, and, and the feedback has been really positive. Likewise, if it wasn't, are you strong enough to be able to reflect on that and say, okay, what did we do wrong? How can we look at that and make some good notes so that next time this happens, we're ready with this information, this knowledge mm-hmm. that we have. Number as in if you were able to sort of get all the food out? Yeah. um, Was it available on time? Mm -hmm. Um, Hey, let's jump back for a little bit. When I arrived here, and again, Mm -hmm. a long time ago, um, we had meals that were done and produced and put into a warmer. So Mm -hmm. by 4 o'clock for the dinner meal, that entire meal was done and in a warmer, and the cooks were just waiting for students to come to eat. And we served items like lasagna and chop suey and quiche and things like that that were easy to cook off and have just held for the next two and a half hours. Mm. And when you walk into our kitchen now and you see these glass windows so you can see everything that's going on in the kitchen, you also look around. There's no warmers, right? The food is coming right from the ovens out to the serving line, right? So when you're standing there waiting in line and looking at the cooks, they're looking at you going like, oh, we've got to hurry. We've got to hurry. We've got to get ready. But actually waiting for a minute or two for hot, fresh food is a really good thing, right? So Mm -hmm. I tell my staff, like, slow down, calm down. Everybody's going to get fed. Let's make sure it's hot and fresh. And so you know that those French fries are hot and fresh coming out on the line. Or you know that those chicken patties just came out of the fryer later and they're going to be good. I'd rather do that than to have food coming out of warmers Mm -hmm. um, that has been sitting for a long time, right? So value. Appreciate value, appreciate quality, um, hot food, hot, cold food, cold. Yeah, and it, this comes back to the uh, point where we're talking about how, you know, our school is very innovative in some sense. And the glass window, is, is has that always been there or is that part of your program design? No, that was so, part of our program design. I mean, that was something that we wanted to do. And, and uh, it seems as though in the food service industry, it sort of was like, um, what is the term? Um, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not coming up with it, but people mm-hmm. sort of wondered, mystery meat, I was going to use the term yeah. mystery. People kind of wondered what was in that product, right? And with us, right. not only do you see it and you can look in and it is all glass and it's open to our kitchen, but also, as you know, we're, our students are working alongside of us. So you know if you've had work job in the kitchen that you're, at, you're asked to stand there and crack fresh eggs, other schools are pouring eggs out of a cart, cardboard container, right? Our, our eggs are fresh. They're cracked by hand and used that way. 
um, or that you're chopping vegetables um, for, for a stir fry or for, um, for, for a line vegetable. Um, so there's a lot of that that's going on, and our students see that, that we're using fresh products um, as much as we possibly can. Yeah, and speaking of fresh food, our school also uses direct um, supplies from the farm, right? Mm-hmm. It, we do. We use from our farm um, and work closely with our farmer to, to have product that's available. Mm-hmm. Um, we would love to buy more local. That's a, a certainly a great trend in the last 10 years. And I think that in this country, we have to do a better job of opening up a supply chain for local products to get them here easier. Um, local as in in our area in, in the country versus out, outside the country? Or are sure. you saying... No, I think within... Within a region, certainly, yeah. right? Um, and you say the country's not doing a good job with that? What do you mean by that? I mean that in the middle of October, mm-hmm. someone could say, oh, we need to buy more apples. Right. And I could buy those apples through our chain of the supply chain that we use. And those apples are not going to come from a hill in Shelburne Falls 15 miles away. They're going to come from a place in Oregon or Washington state across the country, right? Right. Because that's the easiest way to get them here. Just because there's trucks moving across the country and they can get them here where you have to actually specify, no, I want local. I want local apples. Instead of doing what's easy, let's do what's right. Instead of doing it the easiest supply chain way, then let's bring in what's, what's actually available. Right. And And I, mm. I think that we could talk too about, you know, sort of the, expectations that our our community has which is that there will always be you know cantaloupe and honeydew and pineapple on the serving line when actually it's flown from all over the world to get here right mm-hmm. and we have a a community that sort of has a level of expectation and so to do that we we sort of try to buy everything and get everything available and i don't want to cut back to never having those products because they're not you remember now the growing season in massachusetts is mm. from maybe mid-june yeah. until late october that's right. it right our yeah. students come back late august the growing season is <laughs> almost mid- over right and you're you're leaving here at the end of may there's nothing growing around here now so how do we do that do we do we buy a whole bunch of vegetables and fruits all summer and find a way to process that and freeze it for when you're here? Or do we just buy through the, the chain and make it as easy as possible? So mm-hmm. I think in the long run for the next podcast that we do, we can talk about <laughs> we can uh, supply chain. talk about the supply chain, right? Yeah. And speaking of the ethics of doing what is easy versus doing what is right, why do you think that buying, say, say buying from Washington, which is, you know, trucks are always moving. Why do you think that's not the right, right choice? And why do you think local, why do we think, why do you suggest that everyone should buy local? You know, my eyes were opened when COVID hit, which was to, and I'm not sure, you know, what your experience was in the moment, but Mm -hmm. when COVID hit in, in this region, um, all of these restaurants and hotels and food service operations, schools and colleges certainly mm-hmm. shut down. We all shut down. We stopped buying. Our students went home. We went to Zoom, and we created new ways to learn during that epidemic uh, when it started. And at the same time, the grocery stores were empty. Grocery stores didn't have anything on the shelves. People were going in there with their masks on and buying as much as they could, getting for themselves and hunkering down because we couldn't go out as usual. Mm-hmm. The supply chain was such that the grocery industry had a terrible time finding food and getting it onto the shelves. Right. 
at the same time, what happened? All these restaurants are closed. All of these hotels are closed. All these schools and colleges are closed. There was more food available in the country than ever, mm-hmm. but it was in the wrong side. There's a supply chain for business and industry, and there's a supply chain for the grocery stores. Those mm-hmm. supply chains need to work together, right? And they yeah. need to be seamless about getting the product to where we need it to be. Just yeah. another example of how the supply chain just needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And coming back to, uh, and, and well, speaking of fixing supply chain, what do you think are actionable steps that we can take right now? I think that we need to work with local farmers to see what products that they can grow and mm-hmm. how we can help them to to, to um, make a living, right? So, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't have the figure, but if I was to tell you that we bought 50,000 pounds of chicken this year, right? Mm-hmm. So go to a local farm and say, hey, grow me, you know, 50,000 pounds of chicken. Well, it seems <laughs> overwhelming in the moment, but yeah. is that even possible, Right. But the fact is, is that if we could partner with people, we could probably ask them to produce an exorbitant amount of product for us um, that it would certainly seem it could make make that person a a good living. Mm -hmm. So we need to partner with other schools and other businesses to make sure we can make those opportunities available Mm -hmm. so that some of these local farms can get active again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's definitely a challenge because uh, from, you know, if if we look at it from, from a business standpoint it's definitely easy to sort of look at the cheap what's the cheapest on the market and cheapest mm-hmm. would definitely be those big companies who are already right. you know running operating well having connections all all across the country right. and these local farmers who are you know local they they haven't set up their system yet and, and that's definitely a challenge for that and i really respect you for for doing this and, and why why do you why, or since when did you sort of get inspired to, to take this approach and uh, how, how long have you been consistent with this? Oh, I think that um, sustainability in the last 10 years has become, uh, you know, a key issue across the, across the world and, you know, global warming, mm-hmm. all the things that we talk about. And, you know, obviously at the same time, people are being challenged. Like, what are you going to do? How are you going to change your impact, um, your carbon footprint on this country right. or in this world? And, you know, you think about it and you think, well, how are the ways? Well, I'm actually sitting in a place where I could actually, you know, make an impact on those things. And yet, mm-hmm. to be fair, I'm also, you know, sort of uh, challenged by and frustrated by how easy we've made it to do the wrong thing instead of working harder to do the right thing. Right. Yeah. So um, I, I, I think it's an ongoing process. I'm mm-hmm. certainly I don't feel great about what we've been able to do. I know that the the effort is there. Right. So Definitely. and I'll give you another quick example is if we're going to put a local burger on the menu. Right. And I spend extra money to buy a burger that was, you know, produced from a farm in, let's say, Connecticut, and it's traveled a short distance and it doesn't come from a factory slaughterhouse in the mid- Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um so the school spends a little bit more money for the product. We get it in the house, and then I put it out on the server line, and I don't put a sign on it to tell mm. you where it came from. Right. Or better yet, do you read the sign, right? Because 90% of our students might come up and go, oh, burger's great, and they get three, but they don't look at the sign. So yeah. where's the teachable moment there? How do we know that we spent more money on it, that it was local, that it might taste better, that it might be better for you? And yet, if I haven't done that, I've done nothing but waste the resources because it could have been a burger from anywhere. Right. All you cared about was eating a burger. 
right? So there's that mm. teachable moment, and that's getting our students to understand and buy into saying, wow, you know what? Actually, I appreciate that that effort went into it. I appreciate that it cost a little bit more. And actually, I took time to taste a difference, right? And I think that mm -hmm. we should all do that. So. And that's so interesting because I feel like, well, it's sort of speaking by myself, uh, um, I don't know if I can speak for the entire community. I feel like a lot of times we, we miss those signs. Yeah. We, we miss those when we, we don't really like, this is actually, um, maybe this is my fault, but this is actually the first time that I've actually consciously thought about this sustainability process of where we're getting food and, and how, why we chose to, cho chose to get those, um, well, local, local food. And I mean, I really appreciate the effort because, yeah, like you said, it, it's definitely it, it, you could definitely take the easier pro with the restraint of the budget, obviously, but you decided to 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 approach this this way. And would you say is that a personal decision that you decided to approach with, or is that like a sort of school decision that also comes in to say that oh yeah we have to uh, uh, go for a sustainable approach? Or, or absolutely, it's a it's a mutual decision. I mean. Okay. I think that, you know, I think that the school, I'll put myself out on a limb, I don't think the school would want me to be in the place that I'm in, the position that I'm in, unless I had those values and, mm -hmm. and that desire. And then conversely, I have colleagues that are in that sustainability field and, and certainly administration here that says this is something that we value and we want to support. So mm -hmm. um, it's a mutual thing and it's something that we just all have to continue to strive for and do a better job of, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'd say that I want to challenge students to really open their eyes to that. And mm -hmm. I can tell you without a doubt that there is 35 to 50 NMH students who are passionate about this. Yeah. And there are eco leaders Love, yeah. and they're those kids that you see time and again stepping up to do the right thing, right? Mm -hmm. that, that, that want to compost their food, that want to collect compost from the dorms, that, that really believe we need to better take care of our planet. Mm -hmm. And yet there's so many that just go through life with blinders on that don't really buy into it or don't think of anything but what is here for me, right? And, yeah. and it's time for us all to take the blinders off and do the right thing. And speaking of, well, before we go into sort of like the blinders part and, and sort of taking things for granted, I, I feel like a, another big challenge that we talked about is, you know, finding talents and finding workers in this situation, because especially after COVID, it's not, well, e easy to find workers. And so many restaurants have closed because um, I mentioned that they, they're just out of workers that, that there aren't a lot of workers so how what how challenging is it to to maintain and maintain these workers and, and sort of like always find um, workers to, to sustain this large dining hall because we're su supporting like almost a thousand people right 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 I think that's the last two years has been what keeps me awake at night which is um, coming out of the covid epidemic um, or pandemic um, that was the challenge that I was just stunned by was that people just decided that they weren't going to go back to work. I don't mm. know where they went. I don't know how they made a living, but people really stopped um, looking for jobs. And so we were having positions that were open that we were not getting any applicants for. I mean, no applicants mm. or we would get an applicant and then they wouldn't show up for an interview. Right. Mm. they might not respond to an email or a phone call. And they certainly mm. didn't show up for an interview. So we all of a sudden were faced with a real eye-opener of, wow, how are we going to survive here? How are we going to get these meals out if we can't replace these positions? And mm -hmm. so 
Um, yeah, that's that's the thing that um, bothers me or makes me worried the most about continuing on is is what's going on. Why are people not wanting to do service type jobs? Um, is it a quality of life decision? And people thought, well, I can just work from home doing something else. Is it um, deciding that, you know, I've had my eyes open now and I want to go work in the tech industry or I want to go work somewhere else. Um, mm-hmm. but, but people left the restaurant industry. And so, as you mentioned, signs open, uh, signs on every restaurant, help wanted, um, businesses changing their hours to fewer days or fewer hours. Um, certainly some restaurants closing altogether, many restaurants closing altogether. And yet we need to keep going here. We need to be open. We're a school. We need our, we need our kids to be fed three meals a day, our community to be fed. And so it's been a real challenge. And so what I'm wondering about is how I get our students to really look at that and say, what are we taking for granted? Um, when you go through life and you realize that at, on a whim, you can pick up, you know, your phone and, and order DoorDash or, you know, call a restaurant and have it delivered or know that you can, you know, jump in a car and go to a restaurant. Um, what happens if that continues and that trend happens with there is no more options available? Or certainly if, if no one was to work in alumni hall anymore. Things that we take for granted, like walking in the dining hall and having full food lines, buffet lines, and a lot of choice, um, I worry about that. I want to make sure that we can continue that. And how do we do that? I think we do that by appreciating who's doing that work for you. And I'm not asking for me. I'm asking for my staff. It's like when you see them and realize that they've put in a long day, saying hi, saying thank you, smiling at them, telling them how much you appreciated something, I think goes a long way into adding a value-added experience to their workday, right? They're going to come in. They're going to do their work. They're going to leave. They have a life to go to. They have their family to go home to. But to make them want to come back, what can we do to make them say, I really love where I work? I, I work at a great place with great students. Right. And the kids appreciate what I do on right. a daily basis, right? Right. And do you appreciate that um, by trashing the line on, on uh, Southwest Tuesday lunch bar when you walk in the line. And it's kind of embarrassing to see the mess that you all walk by. Like everybody spills chicken and, and cheese and cheese sauce and guacamole. And it's just all over the counter. And please know that we and alumni hall don't feel good when you <laughs> walk into that mess. We have people going behind you nonstop to clean it up because we want to make it clean and presentable. Like when you walk in, um, right. Right. Or in the dining hall, all the chairs are pushed in when you walk in. All the tables are cleaned. And 20 minutes later, there's somebody that spilled milk on the tables. There's somebody that's dropped napkins on the floor. There's, you know, chairs that are brought over to different tables. So there's a table with 12 chairs around it, another table with two at it. These are the impacts. Again, back to the imp- the uh, the impact you have on this planet and and the the uh, the footprint you leave on the areas that you're in throughout your day. I think you can make better choices and leave that the way you found it. Um, appreciate the work that goes into having that um, experience for you, that meal for you. Um, and again, please, no, no more different than it is that you appreciate and respect the custodians that clean our dorms or that clean our classrooms. Right? There's people here that are doing their work for you all day, and I think we need to value that and appreciate that. We can't take that for granted. That's what I want to uh, the message that I want to get across. Yeah, that's a great, great message. And, you know, 
those are really just small actions that we can take as as students to say hi, say thank you, to push our chair in when we leave, to wipe our our table after. It is it could be really small, small decisions, but because I think I was just thinking about this that because maybe that the staff are do, too nice that we 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 always know that there's someone taking care of it and that you you because you said you're a really competitive person and you want to make this the best experience that you are always trying to work for it that we we sort of take it for granted so um what 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 are actionable steps that we can take to sort of break out of this cycle you think that um you and most well, students and you to, all together can can sort of step forward from this you know, I think it's pride in our school. I think it's pride in um, the the community that we're in, and and that pride shows itself in many many ways. But one of which is that you're proud of what we do, and in doing so, you say thank you, and that you, you know, take time to build some relationships with people. And I, I'll say this to anybody that's coming in, or we're going to leave here this year, and next year you're going on to a great college. I think on your first day next fall, go get to know somebody in the dining hall. Right, that's going to be your home for the next two, four years, whatever it is. Um, I, I think you find value in the fact that you can then go in and build a relationship with those people and they'll take care of you as well. I think that our staff are in the service industry. They love what they do. They appreciate it. I just don't want them to get tired of it or, or to know that, you know, you work so hard to prepare this meal and then you see it all thrown into the trash or, yeah. you, you know, you work so hard to, to get this out there and then you see students that will just spill it all over the table or all over the serving line and walk away. That's, you know, again, buying into being a part of a community. Um, again, with the work program, same. It, it, it's. I'm sorry that it's not the easiest thing to do or that there may be a job that you wanted to do, but you got assigned to the dining hall. How important is that work? You know, you're going to affect the experience that 700 or 650 kids and, and over 700 people are going to have mm-hmm. when they come to Alumni Hall. It's really valuable work. Um, you can learn a lot. I, I actually just had an email from a former student who's working in the food service industry now, and he wanted to take time to reach out to me to say he's become a chef. And I think that has some small part mm-hmm. to do with the experience he had here in our work program. Mm-hmm. And that's that's actually very interesting that you mentioned that it's – that the, there are many factors um, into into your your lives and the work that you do is not easy and also the aspect of getting to know someone that is in the dining hall I found I found it to be very rewarding like I know Paul Tony and a bunch of other people and and and, and the, the the fact that sort of I knew them and talked to them and also sort of just trying to understand them understand their work I, I realized this it's not easy it's 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 very hard work, and some days there could be only three staffs yeah, running a, right. running a breakfast or running a dinner, and it's 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 and it's, it's very challenging. challenging. It's challenging, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and so you don't know when there's either been people that have been out sick, or there's been people that are or positions that have been open because somebody left, and so it has fallen on you know fewer and fewer people this year, and and we're going to get through that. We're going to we're going to be okay. We're going to find a way to come out of that. But part of that is making it an environment that they want to be in and that they want to stay at. And yeah. I think our students can really do a, a great job with that. Uh, again, it goes back like, you know, we want to have the best soccer program, the best wrestling program, the best basketball program. We want to have the best food service. And so what can we all do to make sure that it's represented that way and, and that you're proud of what you see every day in Alumni Hall? Um, mm-hmm. and, and the more that you do to make this job easier for us, I can promise you is going to be paid back by being available to do more things for our students. 
things right. that you want to see, like the stir fry bar, like a nice coffee station, like whatever it is that we've been able to do in the past. We want to keep doing those things and um, have a partnership with our students so that they get what they want out of the experience. Yeah, and definitely. And I mean, speaking of stir fry, the stir fry bar wasn't really out the, this past while, and and it, it was because Shore and staff, right? Right, right. I mean, we actually, unfortunately, had two of our cooks go out with broken ankles this year oh. um, at the same time that we had two open positions. And so at some point, you just didn't have the people to do that. And you're faced with doing this really awesome concept, which is an awful lot of work for one or two people to do it. But at the same time, we've got to feed another five or 600 on top of that. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, we didn't have the people to do it. And uh, it wasn't anything to do with a budget cut. It was everything to do with trying to get people in that could do that work. And right. uh, it's come back in the last week, and I'm really grateful for our staff that they've been able to step up and get that to happen. Certainly yeah, wanted know. our seniors to have it a couple more times before Definitely we Definitely before we leave, yeah. Right. And I think this this perhaps could be one of the largest talking points is, is the point of uh, taking things for granted. And... I mean, this because this doesn't just apply to to dining hall service. It goes for a lot of different places. And and what do you, why why do you think that um, we would take things for granted at, at the at the start? And and sort of how can we face that inner demon of ourselves? And what would you suggest are ways for? Uh, what would your advice be for for people to to not take things for granted and and move forward from that? Wow, that's, you know, that's putting a lot on me to answer that question. <laughs> um, because I, all I can do is be a role model, right? Yeah. And that's what I would, I would like to be is to say, right. you know, that, that um, you start to open your eyes and look around. Um, like I would say that if you're walking up to a door and you know somebody's behind you, hold that door for them, mm -hmm. right? Um, if you see a mess as you're walking down the walkway, take time to clean it up, right? It's not glamorous in the moment, but you're doing the right thing. What do people say? People say, and I think it was our founder at one time that had said that, which is, you know, um, how, how do you act when no one is watching, right? Uh, mm -hmm. When you think no one is watching, something along that line. But, mm -hmm. but that's the thing is, is if we all start doing things like that, it, it can be a pay it forward type of a thing where um, people realize that they can feel better about how they can carry themselves and that they can see that um, those small little things that they do might be something that's seen by somebody else and then they start to do it and that ripple effect can in, in some way start to change the tide mm -hmm. um as i said as you said it's it's about across the school um and i just feel like too often we're buried on our phones we're tied up with uh what's the next email or what's the next assignment for class yeah. or, or or what's the latest game i want to learn how to play and instead open our eyes and be in the moment and appreciate what we have and if you have a great meal if you really appreciate that meal you're saying so we'll you know carry tenfold um, that message gets back to me that that's something that our students want to have um, it could be remembering something you had two years ago and you say hey how about that and it just sparks me to think oh let me go talk to the staff and see if we can do that again um, and, and by all means if you don't have a good experience tell me about that so that we can know and get better and improve on that um, I think that yeah. I think mm -hmm. that we want this to be the best experience we can make it for our students. I love it. And I we want to, yeah, we want to, you know, partner with you in that. Yeah. And I was thinking of a concept called uh, mindful eating. I don't know if you're mm -hmm. big, big on this, but it, it's basically the topic of uh, eating, but why, 
but being extremely mindful where you're eating, sort of like taking time, not doing anything else, not even conversating, just sort of like appreciating food. And I think that's actually something that has been sort of lacking in some sense that especially with the um, prevalence of technology. And also, I think there's also that internal pressure that if you sit inside a dining hall and crowded dining hall, um, you have the pressure to socialize a little bit in some sense. Or if not, then you would want to keep yourself active. You don't want to just sort of be eating your food. You want to do something else. And so there's, I I find it very, 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 very rare for (laughs) someone just like sort of appreciating food and, and, and would you say that's the case that that society's sort of like missing that 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 piece a little bit? Yeah, I, absolutely. I agree. I mean, you know, I, I see students that are buried in the technology, or you know, again, maybe around a table of four or five people buried in technology. Yeah. Um, and and also looking at how long do you stay in the dining hall, right? So you get in there, and there's this big line, and you get your food, but ten minutes later, you're gone. Right. You know, it's not a long time. And so how do we do that? Because you do have more time. And again, I know you have Mm -hmm. people to see friends to go be with and all that. But what about slowing down and enjoying our food and tasting it, you know, taking time to enjoy it? Taking time, yeah. Um, I think that's great. And And again, it goes back to creating this environment. Well, you know, we wanted Alumni Hall. We still want Alumni Hall to be a a student center, right? And so grazing is that concept where you can come up anytime and hang out and, and eat and converse or do your homework or whatever. But we want it to be a place where students come and relax instead of they come running in, grab their food, eat fast, maybe throw away half the plate because they don't have a lot of time and then run out. Slow down, enjoy your food, you know, digest your food. Um, and and many times you may not eat as much as you did because you find you're not you don't need that much right and that could be a good thing for you as a person um but but yeah i, I think you're right mindful eating is something we need to get back to yeah and and slowing down the concept of slowing down is is so true too i felt for me personally i find dining hall to be one of the best places because it is one. There's always great food, obviously, and and you know who doesn't love good food. Well, thank you. Yeah, of course. And second of all, obviously, there's also like the bunch of things services that that's available. You can get, you know, bagels. There's there's the mu- the not music, drinks, beverage, yeah. Yeah. beverage is what I was going to say. And then also there's just uh, countless opportunities to sort of like socialize and also like just to take some time to slow down a little bit. And and I totally agree with you. Sometimes I feel like that obviously being in boarding school, there's a lot of pressure, a lot of time to, uh, or time is sort of like always, there's the, the extracurriculars, classworks, right. homework, everything. But, and, and, and it is a challenge to slow down. It is, it is hard for, for, to tell someone to, you know, who's always been used to, to watching their phone in the dining hall, right. um, to, to, to sort of stop st- and enjoy food. And what do you think, what would you say to someone to sort of inspire them to, to, to enjoy their food more? <laughs> yeah. Again, it's kind of what we've touched on is mm. not taking things for granted, right? Mm. Um, that, that time and an investment went into getting that food here for you. Um, yeah. The food that is- for so many people in the world, the next meal is not guaranteed. Right. Right. Um, and I know we don't live in that society and we're blessed to be fortunate enough to be in that right. situation. But the fact is, is that um, we should not take the food for granted, 
the people who provide for us, um, the environment that we're in, how fortunate we are to, um, you know, actually I'll say this with, you know, recruiting people to come to work for me. When people do come here for an interview for, to work in dining services, they come in and they say, what a beautiful campus. This is amazing, right? What do we do? We, we take that for granted. We, we take for granted how beautiful this campus is, <laughs> right. looking at the hills and the mountains and the landscaping and the, the work that goes in to keep the campus um, looking so good and our athletic fields and our new buildings and things that we have that we are taking for granted. And right. we kind of have to open up our eyes and say, okay, time to slow down and enjoy time what we down. have. So, Yeah, and that's, that's perfect. I feel like we've touched on a lot today, and unfortunately time is really short today. So... Uh, I would jump into the final section, which I always do, which is three final questions for you. So the first question is, what are, what are some non-negotiables that you have for, non-negotiable values that you have for your living? For my living, personally? Yeah. Wow. And also that you have for the dining hall. Oh, for, and for both. Uh, both. Health. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I know that I want to carry myself um, uh, with respect and care for others and um and and serve others which is something mm -hmm. i touched on touched on earlier and i think that that is something that um i i carry through for alumni hall as well right really respect the staff that i have the uh -huh. people that work for me and how do i make this an environment that they want to keep coming back to and, and work for us for a long time yeah love it second question if there's one thing you can say to a younger version of yourself what would it be wow it flies by life flies by so as we're talking, um, don't take it for granted. Enjoy every moment. Um, you know, yeah. get the most you can out of every day. That that's hard, man. Yeah, it is hard. Right? Like when we have so many things going on, that that it's hard to slow down a right. little bit. And, and and it is a challenge. But but I, I appreciate you saying that because I when I look back to, to sort of my years here, I feel like a lot of times it's just been on the fly, on the fly, on the fly. And I don't think I've taken enough time to just sort of slow down and appreciate the beauty here. Right. Appreciate the, the, the trees, the, the, the grass, the, the field, the, right. just everything. It's, 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 it's a, it's a ma magic, magical place and the dining hall too. Thank you. Last question. What do you think is your contribution to the bigger picture of the world? And what is your why? Oh, deep questions, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I hope that people have seen me as somebody that cared about others and um, mm -hmm. they find that no matter what, and this year has been personally very tough for me that way, but mm -hmm. then no matter what, I found a way to smile. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, you take what you're dealt and you try to make the best you can out of it right. and find a way to come out on the, on the winning side of it. Right? right. So I think that if you can go through life and know that people will look back and say, wow, you know, he really had some passion for what he did or yeah. love the way he carried himself or love the way he valued family and friends, then, uh, you've, you've, you know, you've got something you can stand on. Yeah. So love it. And what do you, what is your, why, what is your purpose of life? you say yeah i think it, it's it's built on those things it's those same mm -hmm. values which is you know value yeah. value your family value those that are close to you find ways that people can um look up to you and who you are and what you've become right um and uh you know leave a good mark on them leave world. a good mark yeah. exactly leave it better so. than you found it as we always say and 
Rich, thank you so much for for coming today. I know we are a little short on time. I feel like we could definitely touch on more things. And, and <laughs> we could it, keep it, going. It, we could definitely keep going. Yeah. I feel like there's so much. You know, we've only touched on the tip of the iceberg. But I really appreciate your time here. I've learned I so much. Uh, being able to talk to you. Did you have a good time it. here today? Yeah, it was great. I really enjoyed uh, that, and glad to get to know you personally. And uh, perfect. Appreciated you taking the time to talk to us. I appreciate you, and thank you. And for listeners, hope you all had a good time. I know you ha definitely had a good time, and. Uh, I'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.